Time with your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. You guys are listening to 60 Minute Overtime, Fall 2016, Episode 4. Today is October 30th, 2016, and I am your host, Danielle McCartan. I'm going to take you through the best in sports for the next hour or so, the next 60 minutes or so. I'm streaming live on Periscope right now. If you have a Periscope app, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-M. We have 19 people watching, 20, 22 right now, 23 on Twitter, I'm at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Same thing, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. YouTube, all you have to do is go to YouTube.com and type in Coach McCartan in the search box. SoundCloud.com, 26 people. Oh, my God. Oklahoma or Tampa. I mean, uh, Oakland or Tampa. Give me a second. I'll get to that. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. iTunes podcast. Again, Coach McCartan. Uh, we have a lot to get to today with a lot of guests today. Um, someone just asked me, do I like the Raiders or do I like the Bucks? I'm going to have to go with the Raiders. And that is great because I see you have a, uh, I have a Raider fan already on Periscope. I can't believe it's 28 people are watching right now already. We are going to get into, um, I encourage you to look on, uh, go online and type in WRPR. I'm going to have on a lot of guests today. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about pretty much is going to be the Oakland's move to Las Vegas, the Raiders move to Las Vegas. Is it possible? Are they going to do it? Pros, cons. And uh, for that, I'm going to have on uh, Fox Sports 1340 AM Las Vegas host Tom Barton. Um, I was a guest on his show uh, maybe uh, it was for September 11th, actually. So uh, I'll have him on to talk about the Raiders. At 1145, get your um, fantasy football questions ready, locked and loaded, because Greg Larnard from CBS Sports is going to come on at 1145 for a last-minute Fantasy football stardom sit em, and we're going to be taking your questions live on air. The number to call in, uh, if, if you would like to, I would love to have you call in here, everybody. The call-in number is... Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. So if anything that we say here is going to... Tickle your fancy, please call in. If For those of you guys on Periscope, we're now up to 34 viewers. Oh, my God. The number is 201-825-1234. Okay, so in honor, in, in honor of Halloween, I just wanted to get this off my chest first. In honor of Halloween, the scary performance of the week. As you guys know, I am doing a survivor pool, a knockout pool, a suicide pool, whatever you call it, on CBS Sports. I'm out. I hate to say it, but I'm out. So in honor of Halloween, the scary performance of the week, the WTF moment of the week is the Atlanta Falcons. What? I had the Falcons, right? So so I have the Falcons over, I don't even remember who they were playing, but I had the Falcons to win that game last week, last Sunday. Okay, so their kicker, they're playing indoors. Their kicker clangs a 63-yard field goal to win the game at the end with zero seconds left. Clangs it off the left upright. Okay, that is a little bit excusable. Okay, we can excuse that. 63 yards is kind of far. So to overtime we go. Okay, the Falcons, uh, Matt Ryan calls, I think it was heads. In fact, it was heads. They win the toss. 
I'm standing up in the living room like, yes. So cause, Because in, in, in NFL overtime rules, the first person to score a touchdown, the game is over. Now I'm thinking, oh, man, they have Julio Jones, they have Matt Ryan. That's it. The, the, the chemistry between the two of them, I'm going to win. I'm going to be in another week. Okay? So we're fast forward now. We're on about the, the, the 50-yard line, we'll just say. We're at midfield. Okay? Call a timeout. Third down and one, Falcons call a timeout. I'm like, yes, they're going to draw something up here. We're going to get a first down. And I'm talking we like I'm playing with them. But I was very invested in this game. Okay, so we have a, a timeout, third and one. And the play that they called, oh, my God. The play that they called was a running back, a pitch play to the running back. Now, I'm not an offensive coordinator, everybody. I'm no offensive coordinator. But if you have one yard to go, why do you pitch the ball back four yards to run one? That now makes the play a five-yard play, when in fact it was a one-yard play. And not to mention, you have the best running, uh, the best wide receiver in the game, arguably, in Julio Jones. How do you keep the ball out of Julio Jones's hands when on the final drive of regulation... He literally picks the ball out of midair. And you guys can see me demonstrating this on Periscope. Picks the ball out of midair. Out of four defenders. So how do you keep the ball out of his hands in that situation? Okay? He had one-on-one coverage at the top of the screen. I'm watching it. I'm like, great. They're going to just, it's a timing pattern. Boom, boom. You're going to get it to him. One yard. And we're on our way. The play they should have drawn up in a timeout. Now, this is after a timeout even still. They drew this up. They had time to think about this pitch play. Okay? What they should have done is they should have had a wide receiver screen. They should have had four wide receivers set. Okay? With maybe, with maybe a running back at the backfield. Okay? You, you play action, fake the ball backwards, draw the defense in, have a screen play, a wide receiver pick play. They curl around. Boom. One yard play, you're back in business. So as I'm watching this, I'm I'm literally yelling at the TV. Yelling at the TV. What were they doing? Of course it didn't succeed. They went for it, I believe, again on fourth down. Maybe that was fourth down. I don't even remember. I, I was just so angry watching the TV. Turn the ball over, and the other team kicks a field goal. Oh, it was the Chargers. That's what it was. It, the Chargers. Josh Lambeau lines up a 42-yard field goal. I think it was even less. In the dome. Money. Game over. I'm out. Out $5,000. It's a tough one to swallow. Let me tell you, that's a tough one to swallow. Someone just asked me, why don't you coach? You know what? I've heard that this week. I might. <laughs> I might end up coaching football somewhere along the line. I'd like to be an offensive coordinator. So now I am in the second chance pool. And my second chance pick of the week. I'm skating on thin, thin ice because, you know, you're only allowed to pick the team once. So the team that I picked this week, and I'll go over this again at the end, is, uh, is the New York Jets over the Cleveland Browns. Please, Jets, just win this game. Please. And the second place prize is 500 bucks. So let's do a live look in now to London. I love this. I love this. Uh, Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Football. I love this. 
So uh, we are currently at halftime over there in London with the Washington Redskins at 4-3. and three. Are on top of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 3-4, and four, and the score is 10-7. to seven. So I'll keep an eye on that game. I will update you with any and all scoring plays. All right, so now that I've gotten that off my chest and now that I'm down to four viewers on Periscope, uh-oh, was it something I said? Um, now we're back up to five. But um, now the Oakland Raiders move from Oakland to Las Vegas. Okay, is it eminent? Maybe. So I'm going to lay this out for you guys, and we're going to take a call in from, like I said, Fox Sports, 1340 AM Vegas is Tom Barton. I just want to slowly, slowly recap this for you guys so you guys understand the entire situation as best as I can do it. And then we're going to go forward, hopefully take some phone calls and some posts from Periscope, some comments and some tweets and things like that. So here's the thing. The Raiders play in Oakland. They are considering a move to Las Vegas. Now, Roger Goodell, who is the commissioner of the NFL, he is in favor of keeping the Raiders in the Oakland market, which is very, very close to the 49ers market, might I add. Now, Nevada plans to build a $1.9 billion, with a B, dollar stadium with a dome that will hold 65,000 seats. However... This new stadium will require $750 million in public funding. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a great number. Where does that money come from? Now, the, the Nevada legislators are actually counting on the move. Their financing formula, which is going to add to the Vegas Strip and every hotel in it, is a hotel room surcharge, which is extremely optimistic, which they are planning to recoup one-third. I'm sorry. The formula that they've used is that it assumes that one-third of the 65,000 fans at any game, including the preseason, will be tourists who stay in the hotel for approximately 3.2 days and spend a collective $375 million per year. Now, the public money from the hotel surcharge is supposed to provide $750 million for the stadium project. Uh, Davis, who's the owner of the the Raiders, Davis and the Raiders have promised to kick in five hundred million, and two hundred million of that from NFL loans and the rest uh, from the seat licenses and other franchise funds. Then this gets a little um, iffy. The remaining six hundred fifty million dollars, which is more than the Raiders' contribution, is slated to come from Sheldon Alderson. He's an eighty-three-year-old casino magnate known to always get what he wants. In this case, it's unclear what he wants. Does he want season tickets? He's publicly said he does not want season tickets. So if this guy's going to invest $650 million, which is more than the Raiders' current contribution, and almost more than all of the tourists' contribution, what does this guy want from this? And what are the strings attached? That's kind of what the NFL needs to figure out here. So what is the next step? Well, the NFL owners are expected to vote in January's owners' meetings which is going to happen pretty much right before the Super Bowl of next year. Uh, several owners, including Jerry Jones, which we all know, Jerry Jones and, uh, and, and Robert Kraft. Jerry Jones is the owner of the Cowboys, Robert Kraft being the owner of the Patriots. They have openly supported the move of the Raiders to Vegas. Okay, and these guys have... Uh, uh, 
these aren't the JV owners here. Let's just these. This is the varsity team. These are the captains, if you will, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft, and they have openly supported the move. So in January, the Raiders are going to need a 75% yes vote from the owners, which is 24 votes. And I'm sure there's going to be lots of lobbying going on there. Uh, I did look this up. It's an eight and a half hour drive from Oakland to Las Vegas. So maybe you make a weekend out of it. Um, there's like $39 Southwest flights and, and you you know get tickets to Sunday's game in Vegas and you make a weekend out of it. I mean, that's kind of what they're back to the formula of the Nevada legislatures. They're, they're looking for 3.2 days at, on average for a guest. That's, that's fine. So you go from Oakland to, to Vegas and you stay Friday night, Saturday night, and maybe Sunday night. Make a weekend out of it. That's what they're counting on. Um, now, can you imagine? They, they put a roof there. Obviously, Vegas is very, very hot. So they put a roof on it. So can you imagine what a Super Bowl would be like in Las Vegas? Can you imagine? I'm wishing that they put a, a dome on MetLife Stadium. Of course, they didn't. But a dome, that would be such an amazing, amazing thing. And uh, we have the phone lines ringing in. 60 minute overtime. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Danielle. Yes. It's Tom Barton. Hey, Tom. I was just giving everybody just a little bit of a recap of what's going on um, out there in Vegas. So this is uh, Tom Barton from Fox Sports 1340 AM, Las Vegas. And uh, it's very early over there in Las Vegas. So uh, thank you, Tom, for, for joining me live on air here now. No problem at all. I, I, I tell you, you know... Uh, <laughs> Every time that that I talk to people, um, you know, from different areas, uh, it's it's the mindset. You know, you go, oh, it's it's really early in the morning. Well, it's not really early in the morning for football um, because, you know, later on tonight, everyone's going to go, well, it's really late. I know. Right? So (laughs) it it all just kind of depends. Everyone's ready for football. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. No matter where you are in this country, these London games are killing us, aren't they? They're, They're just too early. See, I like. I was just on here saying that I like it because I'm not used to having football so early. Nine, you wake up in the morning. There's football on. I love it. Oh, uh, on the you East Coast, your fantasy team. You gotta, you know, <laughs> make sure that everybody's healthy. What do you do with Tyler Eifert? Yeah, it's it's a headache. To me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was just kind of going over the the, the facts behind uh, the Vegas move here. So uh, basically, what I was saying was that um, about the funding, where the money's going to come from. Um, they're counting on a hotel room surcharge at this point. Um, this guy, they have this guy, Sheldon Al- Alderson, 83, 83-year-old casino magnate. Um, he's going to be contribu- uh, putting in $650 million. And then basically the next step, the Raiders are going to need 24 owners to vote yes in January's owners' meetings. Um, so being in Vegas, being in that market out there, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm so torn about this. I- it's hard for me not to be selfish. And me being selfish says I cannot wait for the Las Vegas to get the, the you know, the Raiders to for this to be that situation. I can't wait for the NFL to come to Vegas. It's gonna be fantastic. Personally for the for my career it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be something to, to go to all that. It is going to be fantastic. There's no downside to it, right? Right. But when you take a step back and I, I you know, have a call-in show. Uh, you know, I listen to people's concerns, and it's not just sports fans. There are problems. First of all, the taxpayers are going to be involved here. Uh, whether you like it or not, 
however they want to try to swing it, taxpayers are going to be involved, number one. Number two, Las Vegas have ne- has never shown any sort, and I mean literally any kind of fan contribution. They just haven't. I know their football team is bad, um, but they, they, the crowds are, are pathetic. <laughs> I, I, they are pathetic. You can go there, and there's less than 2,000 people some nights. I mean, it is a bad crowd. Mm-hmm. Their basketball team, um, unless they're amazing like in the early 90s, late 80s, yeah, they're, they're bad. The crowds are just terrible. We have a test model, and the test model is the hockey. Right. The problem is is that when you talk about a test model being hockey, there are other things to do. You know, you think about it. I, I always tell everybody, I say, you know, the sport of Las Vegas, their hometown team is the MMA, right? Right. But you also have boxing. You also have uh, big concerts, entertainment, and it's all right there. For the Raiders to succeed in Las Vegas, they would not only have to be, you know, an NFL franchise with the backing and, and the casinos and, and all of that, they would also have to be really good. Because Las Vegas is a transient city, and this is what I've heard the owners uh, show problems with. Las Vegas is a transient city. There are no real Las Vegasans, you know, everyone's from somewhere else. Now, you might adopt that team, but you might not. It is a crapshoot. For me personally, I want this to happen. I think it would be fantastic. For the city, I'm torn. I'm not sure if, A, it's going to happen, and B, if it is the best move. Well, you brought up the uh, the attendance, and I, I actually had looked up the attendance for the Raiders in Oakland, and, uh, and, and I just looked at it real quick. In, in 2015, uh, the worst team was the Rams. The Rams had the worst average attendance in the NFL. The Raiders in Oakland had the third worst attendance, and this is just 2015, a little snapshot. But, I mean, the Raiders, like you said, the, the Raiders are, are experiencing an uptick here. I mean, what are they, 5-2, and two, I believe, off the top of my head? Uh, you, you know, they have Derek Carr, who... Is, is a great quarterback, um, and and if they do make the playoffs this year, does that enhance their bid? Yeah, it does, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. If you can bring a winner, it's so much better than, than bringing a loser. You, you know, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. If the Jaguars are coming to, to Vegas, right. it wouldn't be the same thing. And it's also, you know, Vegas is also counting on the, the Raider fans that are, the Raider Nation, we'll call it, is not that far away from Las Vegas. It, it's not like you're moving you know, across the, the, you know, the country. It's mm-hmm. not Jacksonville fans or non-existent fans. Mm-hmm. But that also brings another problem, Daniel. That brings a problem of, I, I, I'll be blunt and just say it because the city officials have talked to me about this. Raider fans are jerks. By and large, yeah. they are angry. They're, they're, they're violent fans. They take pride in their violence. The and, black and, hole. <laughs> yeah, they take pride in that. They enjoy that. But you have to remember, wait a minute, what does that do? What kind of fan is that going to entice? And, and what will that bring over to Las Vegas? It, it, you have to keep that in, in mind. Again, that's not going to be the, the make or break. It, it's just not. It's low down on the list. But when you start looking at the list of negatives and you start seeing it build up, it is on the list of negatives, and you can't just overlook it. So, you know, Roger Goodell, and I said this before, has um, been in favor of keeping the the Raiders in Oakland. But in your opinion, what I mean, the stadium is one of the worst stadiums ever. They share it with the um, Oakland A's baseball. Uh, What do they have to do in order to keep the Raiders in Oakland, in fact? 
I'd be very surprised if they do. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard San Antonio is the, is the other city kind of competing with Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two or three other places uh, that Goodell could send the Raiders. You're right. The stadium, it, it's a joke. I mean, that, that's a bad baseball stadium, and it's a worse football stadium, right? We've seen uh, people go, oh, my God, the Raiders are leaving. Well, they leave all the time, don't they? I mean, just in my generation – We've had the Los Angeles Raiders, back to the Oakland Raiders, back to they, they, they leave, they move, they play different places. The Coliseum. Well, they don't have that luxury anymore. Now with the LA Rams back, right? They're not going to have that luxury to bounce around. It's a garbage stadium. There's no way the city of Oakland, in their financial situation, and, and I don't want to get all uh, political here, okay? <laughs> but, but in the the last eight years, you know, nobody has money anymore. Okay, there's no way that the city of Oakland is going to say, hey, we're going to raise the people's taxes to propose a stadium. It's just not happening. Right. So I don't know what they can do. The best thing that they can do to keep the Raiders there is to just have negatives against everybody else. I mean, that's, that's literally the, be- the best option that Oakland has is to point out the negatives of Las Vegas, point out the negatives of San Antonio, mm-hmm. and just point your fingers and, and basically it, you say, hey, you know, we're the better of two bad options. Right. Well, um, what was I just going to say? Um, you know, so uh, there was a point in time where, in New Jer- and you're from New Jersey, so uh, there was a point in, in time in New Jersey where sports betting might have been uh, kind of legalized here in Atlantic City try- in an effort to save Atlantic City. There was an idea floating around recently, but one of the main concerns that I've heard out here in New Jersey is, okay, so we put a football team, a professional sports team in Las Vegas. D- does the sports betting industry, which is only in Vegas legally, does it have an effect on on the NFL and on the football teams playing? You know, uh, this is not to you personally. Mm-hmm. This is this is because I know you're you're a journalist. You must ask this question. Mm-hmm. But anybody, and I mean anybody, and I've watched uh, congressmen stand on the floor and argue this, and I would tell them this to their face as well. Mm-hmm. Anybody that believes that sports gambling would have any kind of effect on a hometown team uh, going to Las Vegas just isn't paying attention. They're, they're just stupid. We all know. There's an injury report in everybody's daily paper today. Mm-hmm. Why is there an injury report? There's an injury report because of gambling. In everyone's newspaper, on every TV station, they show the spread. Why? Because there's gambling. The NFL wants to make believe gambling doesn't exist, and they want to kind of cover their head to it. But it does, and it's there. It's not going to have an impact one way or the other. There, nobody cares one way or the other. That's just a reason to kind of make people feel good, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we can't have gambling. Yeah, come on. And if you look at the NFL, by the way, the Maras were involved in gambling. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is basically uh, represented as, as one of the finest ownership groups in all of sports, mm-hmm. built their enterprise on gambling. Okay, that that's where they came from. That's where that old money came from. It they don't care. You know, the owners don't care. Uh, the NFL really doesn't care. But they have to sound like they care. They have to act like it matters. It will the, the, the gambling aspect will never ever be a make or break for a team moving to Vegas. If the money's right, they'll move. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that completely. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that people can use that as an excuse. It's just like a scare tactic. I feel. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, come on. You know, it's the same thing where uh, we're sitting in New York and they're going, you can't have Daily Fantasy Leagues because mm-hmm. nobody can gamble. 
But hey, by the way, did you do quick throw today? Did you do lotto today? Did you, you know, it is a uh, you know, it's a term to make fe- people feel good. But when you you know peel that first layer off the onion, you kind of realize it's just not reality. So uh, I have one more thing for you here. So we've heard, and and you being a journalist too, you have heard that you know players playing in Miami have a lot of distractions. I mean, I watched the Jets quarterback by Mark Sanchez. They went to Miami. It looks like they were out partying. It was like a play-in game for the playoffs a couple years ago. They lost to the Dolphins. looked like they were out partying all night. Now, when we talk about Miami's distractions and everything that brings with Miami, what do you say to the people that say, oh, I don't know if this guy should go to Vegas because there's a lot lot of distractions for him out there? Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, it's the same thing that I was just talking about, about people watching the game. It's also the same thing. I, you know, they're not talking about putting the, the stadium in Henderson, right. uh, you know, which is a nice place, or Green Valley. It's on the is, strip. You know, it's right on the strip. <laughs> yeah, you know? right by Mandalay Bay. I, I, I mean, it is, it's crazy what they're going to do. And now I understand the attraction, um, but even look at New York. Where's the Meadowlands? It, it, it's a little bit of a hike away from Manhattan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You go to where's Yankee Stadium? Where's Shea Stadium? No, nothing's in the middle. Now you got, you know, the, the gardens right in the middle of things, mm-hmm. but not many people are, are really, uh, you know, going crazy there. Uh, you know, partying it up at Times Square, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, Las Vegas has a lot of distractions, and they will have a lot of distractions. And, and I do. I think, I think you're going to start hearing. You know, we have the term in sports. You got to be a certain kind of person to right. play in New York or Boston. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have that term. You're going to have a certain type of person to play in Las Vegas. Wow. So uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I don't know. I don't know. See, I don't know what this is going to bring, but I, I do think that it's all going to go through, and I, and I do think because you have the, the I called them before the varsity captains of Rod, uh, Robert Kraft and uh, and Jerry Jones are supporting the move. So you know, if those guys kind of support the move openly. You know, I, I think it's going to happen. Well, you know, I, I, I do. I, I think I think there's, when the old term, when there's smoke, there's fire, I think there's too much smoke. When this was first announced, we, we kind of did an interview with a couple of people uh, on the city council mm-hmm. um, that mentioned it about a year ago. And you go, all right, well, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, sure, sure. As it starts to roll, and things start to progress, and you go, wait a minute, oh, now now they're picking out a spot for a stadium? Mm-hmm. Now there's funding for a stadium? Mm-hmm. Now they have Sheldon Anderson, uh, Alderson backing them up? Now you have the Raiders saying they might want to come? Now Mark Davis is in town? Mm-hmm. You know, you know right. things just start building, right. and you go, either this is one great ploy by Mark Davis to uh, you know get a new stadium built in Oakland, mm-hmm. or this is reality, and, and I tend to believe it is reality. So what's the deal behind this Alderson guy, this Sheldon Alderson? Do you know? Yeah, he is a a mega, 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 mega rich guy. Uh, basically, if if you take out Steve Wynn, mm-hmm. who owns about ten casinos in Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. and is the genius of geniuses, right. if you take Steve Wynn out, he owns Las Vegas. I mean, Sheldon literally owns Las Vegas. He owns uh, property. He is a, a just a genius when it comes down to it. Um, but there are a lot of people that don't like him. You know, there are a lot of shady dealings. And I guess with any billionaire, right, mm-hmm. there are going to be shady dealings. We're finding that out in the presidential That's race, right? Thinking about well, that, yep. All these people coming out. And, uh, there are a lot of shady dealings. There are a lot of people that will say negative things. But he does have pull. When I say pull, you know, you talk about the NFL <clears throat> owners having pull and Kraft and Jones. 
uh, Sheldon Alderson could pretty much buy and sell all of them, mm, wow. which gives him more pull, you know. Mm-hmm. And the moment that his name was thrown into the ring, you now have to take things serious. This isn't Mark Cuban, you know, who throws his name into the ring to get publicity. No, this is a guy that when he get wants something and he gets it done, uh, you know, it's it's there, and, and he wants this. And the fact that he does want this. Uh, you you look at his age. Maybe it's a legacy thing, mm-hmm. right? Maybe he wants to have that legacy of wow, I brought this team to Las Vegas, and it's a city that you know, it loves the legacy. They love uh, to know who the big wig is, right? And in, in a pond full of giant fish, he's the biggest fish. Yeah, yeah. Because he said he doesn't want he doesn't even want season tickets. He said I, I thought I read that. I mean, no, he just want he's not. They, yeah, he said he's not a football fan. He just wants. Uh, a team there because he thinks it'll help the city. Well, have you seen the stadium plans? I mean, that stadium looks amazing. The stadium looks great. I, I know exactly where they're going to put it. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I visited, uh, you know, the site where they're going to put it. I will tell you, though, the stadium looks so cool. It is, re- it is like they're just dropping it in the middle of the strip. Though, I, it, it's crazy how close to the strip it's going to mm-hmm. be, or or even on the strip it's going to be. Um, it will just change the landscape of every Las Vegasin's mindset. It'll change the landscape of everybody's, uh, you know, outlook on it. It is a just a breathtakingly giant step for the NFL, for Las Vegas especially. And even flying in, it's, it's right by the airport. So the first thing you see when you fly in is going to be Raider Stadium. Yes. They, they, they will take over that town like that town's never seen i mean you know you have one championship there you and i'll be running rebels and and people still talk about it yeah. i mean i still get phone calls uh well where i will say things that you know, well this team is really good. they'll still call me up and you know 30 years ago talk about the running rebs uh they are dying for a champion i just don't know if they have what it takes to support it if this was five years down the road and they had a working model with the hockey team, right. I'd feel a lot better about it. Right. Hey, give me a working model. I'm going to go, okay, I, I feel good. You have something. Uh, but to all of a sudden take people from Las Vegas and throw them into the mix and go, here you go. Here all of a sudden is football and hockey now support both. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it can maintain. Yeah. Well, I mean, only only time's going to tell, I think. But uh, we have to look forward to January and to these owners' meetings to see, it, it sounds like. Yeah, the owners' meetings will be interesting. I, and I do. I think they'll get the owners' approval. Um, I think that it's something that might not happen immediately. But I do believe that there will be a team in Las Vegas, even if it's not the Raiders. And, and keep your eye on that. It might not be the Raiders. But there will be a team in Las Vegas. Well, you know, the Raiders, and I just saw coming across my research uh, the other day, they have filed for a trademark for the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, name and, and likeness. Yeah, that's you know one of the first things that you do, and and you could if if we were in a casino right now, if I could take you walking mm-hmm. through a casino, Danielle, mm-hmm. you would see people already wearing Las Vegas Raiders T-shirts. Yeah, cool. Um, that's that's you know how much people want it. The problem is that the guy that's wearing the T-shirt isn't going to buy the season ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Now, one more thing before you go. Uh, I just I, I prefaced this by saying before that this, the stadium is going to have a roof. Can you imagine a Super Bowl in Las Vegas? Never, never, ever, 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 ever. And I was asked about this. This is a great question. I've been asked about this on, on numerous uh, places. And it, it, they're not going to build a stadium for the Super Bowl because they know it'll never be. It just will never be there. Just the context of, of 
gambling. You know, what I said, you know, we got to make believe uh, in front of America uh, that it doesn't exist. There's no way they'll ever do it. So what they're going to do is they're not going to build a stadium like they did in Arizona that is built for the Super Bowl or Jerry World. They'll build a stadium that's built for the NFL. And, and instead of having, you know, 90, 95,000 people and, and all the, the glitz and glamour, I don't think they have the space for it, and I don't think that that's what they're going to aim for. Some stadiums, like Jerry's World, mm-hmm. uh, was built for national championships games, was built to obtain the Super Bowl. Vegas Stadium won't be that. They're, the, the Vegas Stadium will be there for the Raiders and the Raiders only. And maybe some concerts, even. Well, yeah, you're going to do concerts and, and, and you know a, a little bit of soccer, those kind of things. But yeah, it's yeah. going to be Raiders Stadium. You know, It's not going to be one of those... Uh, we're going to really try to vie for the Super Bowl. I can't imagine, and, and especially with Goodell in charge, there's no chance that they're ever going to have a Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know. I would. Lo- I'd be so interested to to be in Vegas if a Super Bowl ever went there. I think I would book my ticket there. Come on down. I'll get you a free hotel. <laughs> yes. All right. We're in business now. All right. So uh, that was uh, everybody. This is Tom Barton from Fox Sports, thirteen forty a.m. Las Vegas. Dropping some inside bombs, as we like to say here, some inside bombs on the Raiders and their and their move to Vegas from from the insider's perspective. I mean, all of us listening here are pretty much from the New York, New Jersey area, so uh, we really appreciate the insider information over there, Tom. Thank you, guys. All right, have a good day. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. So that's kind of cool. So we have the the insider perspective of the the Raiders' move to Las Vegas. You heard it first, Tom Barton. He works for Fox Sports over there in uh, in Vegas. And uh, just a couple more things here on the Raiders. Now, John Madden, who was the Raiders coach from 1969 to 78, which is a very long time, he says, and, and I think we're all in agreement here, the quote from John Madden is, they, meaning the, the Raiders, don't have an alternative. I mean, that's the problem. They can't continue to play in that stadium. They need a new stadium. And they can't get one put together in Oakland. The L.A. thing didn't work out which I'm kind of glad about. I don't think they belonged in L.A. So then Las Vegas stepped up and offered what, that they would build a stadium. So that's where they had to go. If it were a decision, do you want to play in Oakland or do you want to play in Las Vegas? We would say, we would all say, we want you to play in Oakland. And Mark Davis, who's making the decision, would say that he wants to play in Oakland. But there is no Oakland here. And TMZ Sports actually captured Rich Gannon, who was the last quarterback for the Raiders in a Super Bowl game. And and this is what Rich Gannon had to say. Now, John Madden is in favor. Rich Gannon, former quarterback, is not. TMZ Sports, how are you, my friend? Good to see you, my friend. Listen, I'm a big fan of you. I'm a Raiders fan. But are they going to move? Do you think, are you in favor of the Raiders moving? No, I'm not in favor, but probably will. It's tough to get a stadium situation. Do you think... Do you think that the it's going to translate, and do you think that people will stay as a fan? I hope so. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm old fashioned. I'd love to see the Raiders stay in Oakland. I think you know it's uh, it's really started. They've already left once, but uh, they just like to be able to see them get something done. They got a great young team, a great quarterback. So yeah, yeah, for right, sure. Bro. So uh, you know, everybody seems to think uh, from John Madden to Rich Gannon to Tom Barton to myself, people think this is going to happen. And just getting back to the the stadium, the current stadium that they're in, it's it's, you know, I, like I said before, they share it with the Oakland A's, and it's considered the worst stadium in the MLB. Okay, um, Raider Stadium, it's it's just not nice. It's not functional. It's old. 
I talked to some guys on the Chargers, which I won't name them, but there are two linemen on the Chargers, and, and they were asked, I was there when they were asked, you know, what is the, the stadium that you dislike playing in? And they both looked at each other, and they said, Oakland Raiders. Okay? They have, uh, they've named it Mount Davis because the owner of the Raiders, they, have the high, they added a whole other top section. The highest seats in pro professional sports, baseball, football, and they added that in, and now they're they're calling it Mount Davis. The Oakland A's actually put some tarps over it. They don't even sell those seats. They had a uh, the Oakland A's had against the Mariners one day one time. They had a sewage backup, and they blamed it on a six game homestand, where it was so bad that both the A's and the man and the Mariners were forced to share the Raiders locker room. Okay, they blamed it on the sixth game homestand, which is not an excuse in and of itself. However, it's a common issue. Not even when there's games, even if there's no games there, the toilets are backing up and overflowing, and that's disgusting. Who wants to play there? Who wants to, to deal with that? So John Madden did it, and I'm going to do it too. Let's compare the move of the Raiders from Oakland to Vegas. Two, and they are not the same, the move from the Ram, uh, the Rams from St. Louis to L.A. this past season. And I interviewed uh, Brian Leonard, it says, six months ago. I interviewed Brian Leonard six months ago, and he said, and I, I asked him about the move uh, of the, the Rams, which was like the, the main story of this time last year, and this is what he had to say about that. You spent some time in St. Louis, and now the Rams are moving to L.A. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's only there two years. Uh, I didn't really get a, a total feel for the city, I know, but I think L.A. needs to be. L.A. is the only second, third biggest city in the country. And, uh, you know, the Rams used to be out there, so I don't think it's going to be a drastic change. They still have fans out there, and they're going to have, you know, I'm pretty sure they're going to sell out the stadium the first year just with the fans they still have out there. So, um, you know, I think it's a good change. Uh, is it the right franchise, though? I think it's the right franchise. Yeah, they're out there earlier, and I think, I think it's a good change. I know the fans out there are really mad about it. Um, but to be honest with you, we didn't, I mean, sell our games. I mean, there wasn't a lot of people in the stands, so um, I think that was one of the main reasons that they did move to LA is because of that. I mean, if they sold every single game, I know the teams haven't been great in the last couple years, but if you're a fan, you support the team, no matter what, up or down. So, um, I think that's one of the main reasons that they moved it. They didn't have the fan support that they had in the past, and it was the best show on turf. So, you know, that's a great point, too. You know, it's the best show on turf. They're moving because of their fan base, because the team wasn't really exactly that good. The Raiders are a good team. They're going to move into Vegas with some momentum. And, and as I said before with Tom, uh, in 2015, the Rams had the worst attendance in the NFL out of all 32 teams. The Raiders had the third worst. So by moving them, you know, maybe it'll bolster some numbers for a team that's performing well in the NFL. They are performing well. And we have an update on the Redskins-Bengals. Now we are um, five minutes to go in the third quarter. The Bengals have taken the lead. The score is now 20-10. to 10. Bengals over the Redskins. Uh, it looks like they just scored again. I'm not sure if that's reflected in the 20-point score here, but the score as of right now on ESPN.com, it's 20-10. to 10. And uh, for the fantasy football guys, 
Oh, it is inclusive of that. So uh, Fisher reported in as eligible. Andy Dalton, right end for one one yard. Did he run it? See, I wish this would uh, wish this would say it. Oh yeah, Andy Dalton, one yard rush. Extra point is good. So those of you guys that have Andy Dalton on your fantasy teams, uh, you can rejoice. <laughs> you can rejoice. And and listen, I love, I love. And I know Tom doesn't because he's all the way out in Vegas, but I love that football is on at 9.30 in the morning here. One of my favorite things to do is to wake up on Sunday morning and watch football. So before we get into to fantasy with Greg Larnard from CBS Sports, I'm going to leave you here with a quick three-minute interview, three minutes and 29-second interview, in fact, uh, myself and, and Lori Hernandez. Uh, you guys might know her from Dancing with the Stars currently. But before that, she was a uh, Olympic gold, silver medalist, part of the Fierce Five. You'll see. She corrects me. I, I haven't forgotten it since. Um, and Lori Hernandez, she's a gymnast. She's a cute little gymnast. She's 16 years old. She's from New Jersey. And uh, and I caught up with her at – it's just a really funny thing. I had nothing prepared. I was at a Yankee game uh, with Mint Pros and Jay Irwin Productions. They had a sweet game, and they happened to be like three suites down from us. And it was a whole big production. But Lori Hernandez – did talk with me and this has 441 views in uh, less than a week on my youtube channel so you guys can check that out at coach uh, mccarton coach mccarton on uh youtube all right so here it is here's uh myself danielle mccarton and Lori hernandez from yankee stadium in the bronx new york okay, i'm danielle mccarton here at yankee stadium with olympic gold medalist and part of the fab five Lori hernandez the final five <laughs> <laughs> um this is really great that the yankees honored you today that was awesome. I think every kid kind of grows up to baseball, and this is just such a great experience to be here. Now, were you a Yankee fan growing up in Old Bridge? Uh, well, both Yankee and Mets. I really like Syndergaard, and I really like CC Sabathia. So, I don't know. <laughs> were you able to meet any of those guys yet? Um, I was able to meet Syndergaard, and I haven't met Yankee players yet. Okay. So, what was Noah Syndergaard like? Any met him? He's really tall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So I saw the picture you took with him. It's like two heights. And yeah. Crazy different. Now, being a Jersey girl, being on the world stage of the Olympics, what is that like for you? Um, that's awesome. I mean, it's a really crazy experience. No one can really prepare you for that. So I was definitely in awe when I first walked into the arena, but I got pretty comfortable quick, and it was just a great experience overall. So you guys seemed like you had a lot of team chemistry, the five of you guys. Was that what it was behind the scenes as what we had saw, seen on camera? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we created such a big bond between all of us that it was just a lot of teamwork going on and we're there for each other. So um, having that is really important when things are really stressful. So I feel like that's why we're so successful. So what was better, winning the gold medal or meeting Zach Efron? <laughs> we're going to have to say winning a medal. <laughs> so what was he like when you walked into that room? You guys were all shocked? No one knew? Yeah, no one knew. I mean, we thought that Ahoda might have been, like, pulling a prank on us when she said that, you know, oh, maybe he might be coming. And we were like, no, you're lying. Stop playing around. Yeah. And then he walked in, and it was just, we were ready for it. <laughs> By the looks of it, <laughs> didn't look like it. Now, yeah. your, your next step of your journey, obviously, you're still training for the USA Olympics in Tokyo. You're going to be there? Um, well, cross your fingers, but um, they decide that year who's going to the Olympics, so. Okay, I'm, I'm sure you will be. Now, you're taking your next step of your journey going to now um, Dancing with the Stars. Yes. I, my money is on you to win, and I've come out and said it already. So what have you been doing to prepare for that? Um, well, I mean, we already started training, so that's good. I'm just 
I'm so upset. <laughs> you have a good, what, what, what's your partner's name? His name's Val. Val, um, Max's brother, right? Yeah. And he's one of the better ones. Are you excited <laughs> to be working with him? Yeah, he's awesome. Super patient, super kind, so. Are you teaching him any, anything? Um, I'm hoping to teach him like a backhand spring or something towards the end. So uh, if I could teach him a backhand spring, then maybe he'll teach me a box shot. There you go. That's a good trade-off, I think. <laughs> yeah, now, you actually threw out the first pitch at the Met game. Yes. Was it yesterday? Um, two, two days, days ago. ago. Now you did a backhand spring too. Side aerial. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> a side aerial, like no handed cartwheel. So she's the gymnast, <laughs> not me. <laughs> but how cool was that? It was awesome. Really cool experience. here with Lori Hernandez and this was uh, something I wasn't planning on today. This was <laughs> quite a great surprise. So thank you very much for your time and, uh, and good luck. Congratulations. Thanks. So that was kind of cool. So Lori Hernandez, she is killing it on Dancing with the Stars right now. Um, and if you if you would like to see that interview, she's very cute. So you can go on to uh, YouTube.com and you can type in at the top, Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, put a space in between. And uh, all, I think, 73 of my video interviews will show up. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, uh, that's that. And, uh, Lori Hernandez, she, she was great. She's, you know, 16 years old and you've won a gold and a silver Olympic medal and you've met Zac Efron. You've been on the world stage. You're from New Jersey. I mean, what more, what more could you possibly accomplish? Um, and, and she's great. The family's great too. The mom, the dad, everybody, everybody, uh, Everybody there was very welcoming, and uh, I, I can't wait to actually put together an article uh, uh, for that. So, transitioning now into, uh, it's uh, 11.47. We have, uh, calling in, in in just a second, will be Greg Larnard. He's a CBS Sports fantasy football guru, and he's going to be giving us the stardom sit for week eight. And uh, this should be him right now. Hey, Greg. Danielle, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? I was just uh, introdu- introducing you here uh, for for the fans and uh, how you're the fantasy football guru from CBS Sports. Well, I appreciate the kind introduction. <laughs> All right. So uh, first, before we get into Stardom Sidems, I know we we've, we've gathered a question last night. Uh, this goes out to at Dagruski, and his name is Matthew Rodovic. Rodovic? Yes, Matt Rodovic. He was the um, former pitching coach at Plattsburgh State where I played baseball. I didn't actually get to play under him. He was there the year I left for a year, so he's been kind of hitting me up on Twitter for fantasy football advice. So, uh, yeah, let's hear the question, and I'll touch on that. Okay, so he wants from you, he wants to know, in a PPR league, does he go with James White or Matt Asiata? Well, in a PPR league, typically – you would probably want James White. This guy for the New England Patriots running back, he's the number two guy, but he's that scat back. He's that train change of pace guy. We know LeGarrette Blunt's going to be the number one, and mm-hmm. he's been a workhorse the entire year. And even when people said, hey, Tom Brady's coming back, they're not really going to use LeGarrette Blunt too much. They've still been using him. And James White, he's just that guy. Like I said, he goes out of the backfield. He's that third down back. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He can make things happen. In a PPR league, typically, I would say, yes, go with James White. But Matt Asiata, we've already found out, and I was going to touch on some inactives today. We'll touch on it right now. Jarek McKinnon, the lead back for the Vikings, is out today. So if I'm 
you, Matt, and I've talked to him a little bit off the air about this, I would go with Matt Asiata because he is the guy who is going to be leading the charge for the Minnesota Vikings first and foremost today. So you're going with uh, James White? I'm just tweeting it to him now. I'm going with Matt Asiata. Oh, Matt Asiata. Okay. Yeah, Matt. I know. I was hyping up James White, but <laughs> I, you know, in the end, I say you, you got to go with Asiata because he's going to get the most opportunities in his game opposed from James White. I don't think James White is going to get as many opportunities as uh, Matt Asiata would to accumulate points and, uh, and play well. All right, so I'm just tweeting that out to him now. See, everybody, we are live. We are doing this so live. So I'm on Periscope right now. Uh, if right. any of you guys on Periscope right now have any questions for fantasy football, you know, who should you go with, uh, please shoot them over to us. And we're doing this all live. So, uh, all right. Another thing about Matt Asiata, mm-hmm. too, he's got a great matchup against Chicago. Their run defense on Monday Night Football is not very good. So I, I would stick with Asiata in that one. Cool. All right, so let's let's just – you know, we'll take some questions as they come, but if you have a start him, sit him, let's go, I guess, with the most, probably most important position, quarterback. Yes, we will do that, but first, let me run down, actually, for you, the inactives, because I was thinking about it this morning, I'm watching Fantasy Football Live on ESPN, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, oh, this would be kind of cool to kind of, we're so close to kickoff here, I mean, we've already got one game underway right, uh, right now, so... Let me go through the inactives really quick. A couple guys that aren't going to be playing and guys that you should probably look at picking up or playing. I mean, other you're going to have some of these guys. Uh, so let's go through the inactives really quick, and then I'll get to the quarterbacks. Okay. Jamal Charles, we know he's going to be out with a knee injury today. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they're, of course, playing the Indianapolis Colts. So you're 100% starting Spencer Ware in this one. A lot of the experts and the pundits have said, Spencer Ware is the number one guy out there in Kansas City, whether Jamal Charles is healthy or not. And I was going to kind of mention him in the stardom sit-ums. Tevin Coleman for the Atlanta Falcons. He'll be going up against the Green Bay Packers. He's got a hamstring injury. Devontae Freeman is now the sole rusher there, although that's going to be a tough matchup. If you have somebody else, I would look at possibly playing other than Devontae Freeman just because the Green Bay Packers' run defense has been so stout this entire year. The only – player to go for 100-plus yards on them has been Ezekiel Elliott, and we've seen so far Devontae Freeman hasn't been able to replicate what he was able to do last season. Doug Martin for the Tampa Bay Bucks, he's out with a hamstring, and the Bucks are going up against the Oakland Raiders, who their defense has left a lot to be desired, frankly. Uh, so Jaquiz Rogers, again, he's going to get, he's going to shoulder the workload, and he was a, hot, a guy, a kind of a hot pickup. You could have I grabbed him in one of my leagues a couple weeks ago, and he's been killing it for me. He's been doing really well. So if, if that's a guy that you picked up and you weren't sure about playing, Doug Martin's going to be out. Rodgers will be the guy against the Oakland Raiders in Tampa today. So that was that's one guy you should look at. C.J. Anderson, this was a big one, uh, Danielle, because he was out with a knee injury, and he's going to be out for a while now. So the young kid, Devontae Booker, who a lot of people were high on early in the season, He's going to get the, his opportunity here in his early career to shoulder the workload in the running back position. So if you added Devontae Booker and you were smart this week, please deploy him across all leagues. I think he's going to kill it as a lead back. He's already been doing well in that role and coming in and kind of taking some snaps and some playing time away from C.J. Anderson. And he could basically wall and tip him at this point and just – Take him out. Take him right out of his uh, out of his starting spot. Yeah, C.J. Anderson. You got you got to wonder because he's on the the IR. You got to wonder about his future in 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 Denver as it is right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Devontae Booker. He showed a lot. He's a young kid, and um, I, I think they really like him out there uh, in Denver. 
Next, we've got Dwayne Allen, the tight end for the Colts. He's got with, out with an ankle injury. And so I talked a little bit about this guy, um, Jack Doyle, who's the tight end for the Colts. And he's really came out of nowhere. He's done a lot of good things. And I've got a little bit of notes on him because he was a guy I talked about, I believe, in my – in my article, you can find that on CBS Sports Radio. He's uh, he's kind of had a bad last, you know, weeks four and five where he had literally zero fantasy points, Danielle. But the last two weeks, he's come back with a vengeance. He's finally got himself in the back of the good graces of Andrew Luck. He has a touchdown in the last two weeks. I'd say, hey, deploy this guy all day long because he's going to be out. It's a tough matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs, but he is the sole provider there at tight end, if you will, for the Indianapolis Colts. And the next two guys I'm going to give you are defensive players, and you may be wondering, Greg, why are you giving us defensive players? This is fantasy football. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't care about defensive players. Mm-hmm. But the Seattle Seahawks, two big guys are going to be out in this game. Michael Bennett, the defensive end, he's out with a knee injury, and we knew Cam Chancellor was going to be out with a groin injury early in the week. But this is good news for Drew Brees owners and St. Wide receiver owners. So if you were a little leery about, oh, no, I don't know if I should play Drew Brees against the Saints, well, there's few things in life that are more sure than Drew Brees performing well at home. Yeah. He oh, does yeah. really well in the Superdome there yeah. in the New Orleans. Now you can feel really confident with deploying him because you don't have to worry about Michael Bennett rushing him, and you don't have to worry about the hard-hitting safety cam chancellor over the middle. So that's good news for Drew Brees. Same wide receivers owner, whether you have Willie Sneed, Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, those guys are going to be guys that you can just deploy all day. But it's, it's always tough in the Saints offense because it's the musical chairs of – who Sean Payton and Drew Brees want to get the ball to. So that that's the only thing I'd say is tough about this matchup. And, of course, they still have Richard Sherman, which kind of might negate the guy on the, I believe it's the right side of the field. Yeah, so and with finally, the, okay. <coughs> go, go ahead, Daniel. I was just going to ask, so getting back to the Colts, you really think uh, the offensive, the banged-up offensive line of the Colts is going to give uh, Andrew Luck enough time against the KC front four? I don't, but that's why I like Jack Doyle, because he's kind of that safety valve for Andrew Luck where, hey, Jack Doyle is not this big athletic speedster of a tight end. Mm-hmm. He's, a, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's a bigger dude. So this guy is going to you know, just kind of sit down right in the middle of the field, and if Andrew Luck is getting pressured like he usually does with that terrible offensive line we that you so that. brilliantly mentioned, yeah, um, the, yeah this guy, I love, I love Doyle. It's just a safety valve for Luck. And, and if you get into the red zone, he's a big target. And, and that's, that's kind of why I like him. Okay. All right. And then, uh, you know, we mentioned Jarek McKinnon. He's out. Start Matt Asiata if you have him. And then the last one I'll touch is Shady McCoy. He's going to be out for the Buffalo Bills. And Mike Gillisley is going to be the lead dog there, although he's dealing with a little bit of a foot issue. Reggie Bush could see some carries just to kind of spell him a little bit. But Mike Gillisley should be the lead dog there in Buffalo. And speaking of Gillisley, before we go into the Stardom Cinema, I have a quick little story for you and the listeners, Danielle. You ready for this? Let's do it. So this is a little Halloween story from last night. Out of the party, you know, I'm I'm just chatting with everybody. You know, I've got my green Riddler suit on, so I stand out like (laughs) nobody's business. And (laughs) I'm talking to these, you know, people, and, and they're asking me what I do, and I'm telling them about the, you know, the fantasy football, the CBS, you know, coming on your show and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, these two girls are like, oh, my gosh, this is our first year playing fantasy football. Can you help us out? Look at my team. Look at my team, please. So I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll take a look at your team. So I looked at the teams, and, you know, they were both three and four. They were okay. I made some changes to both of them. And I added 
for one of them. They're in the same league. So, I, you know, this would have been the guy I would have added earlier in the week. But we knew that Matt Jones in this early game right now that's going on mm-hmm. is out. And I wanted to touch on him um, beforehand, but I realized that they're playing this morning, so I couldn't really do it on the show. Yeah. But I added for one of them Robert Kelly, who now has rushed for 13, uh, 13 attempts for 44 yards and a touchdown. Yep. So she, uh, she, hopefully she'll be thanking me uh, later. So I added, I added Kelly for her, which has already paid off. I threw him right in the starting lineup because mm-hmm. the team was a little brutal. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to the other girl, and I added, I was able to add a running back because she had Jalen Richard in for the Oakland Raiders, and I said, that's not going to fly. So I went and I looked who was on the waiver wire left, and we got Mike Gillisley. And so now he's going to be the starter, and she's deploying him, and hopefully he'll at least get in the end zone for her. <laughs> oh, only time will tell, huh? That's right. That's right. So uh, just right, just to give the guys a, a quick update, now uh, we have a the score we have a scoring update here in uh, Washington Redskins Bengals game. So the Bengals are up twenty to seventeen on the Redskins right now. Uh, Kirk Cousins one touchdown, one interception. Andy Dalton one touchdown. Yeah, there you go. And it's a close game going out in there in London. It's, yeah, it it's is. coming down to the end. Twenty, like you said, twenty seventeen. We're just starting the fourth quarter. Yep. I, I'm, I I can't think of a better Sunday morning, Danielle. I've got. I'm talking to you here, fantasy football wise. I got the game on the TV to my right here. It's, it's phenomenal. I love it. You know, I was just talking to. I don't know if you heard. I just had on uh, Tom Barton from. He's in Vegas. They said out there they hate the early game. I said I love the early game. I love waking yeah. up and watching football with breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And I forgot about it. I just. I woke up. I turned the fantasy football live on, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, we got the Redskins and the." You know, Robert Kelly's already scored. I was like, "Yes." Oh, don't worry. I forgot. Let me turn on the football <laughs> game really quick. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the stardom symptoms real quick. How much time do you got? Uh, about 10 minutes. 10 minutes? All right, let's do it. And if you have any, at any point have any questions, want to stop me and add anything in, please don't feel free to kind of interrupt me here. All right, let's do it. Go ahead. Quarterback, right, what do you go. got? Quarterbacks. We got Starter, and I talked a little bit about him on my show on Friday, my Friday Fantasy Football Fix, which I do every week. You can find it out on RadioRoundup.com, and you can find that, that the, the video is always up on Facebook at the Word with G and, and YouTube. You just type in Greg Larnard, and you can find those. Subscribe, of course. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was my first guy that I'm looking to start. He's finally got his groove back. He's got his belt back. He's doing his thing. He found the, the, the offense found its way last week in the second half against the Chicago Bears. We already know, I, and I meant to mention this in the inactives, but Randall Cobb is also going to be out in this game. So I'm looking at Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers to say, hey, look, we haven't really been on the same page all year. Let's get on the same page against a bad uh, – who are they playing? The Falcons. Bad, bad Falcons. So he's going to be throwing a ton because the Packers don't really have a running game right now. I, I believe Niles Davis is going to get himself a little bit more acquainted in this offense. So that might be a little bit more of a traditional game. But they love, like we, we saw last week, Ty Montgomery coming out of the backfield. He's thrown – Rodgers, he's thrown 40-plus passes – in the last three straight games. So he's going to have opportunity to try to beat this, this Falcon secondary, and, and Mike McCarthy, the head coach, is going to let them. And get this, Danielle, in the last three home games for the Falcons, they haven't been very good in the Georgia Dome, allowing 989 yards and eight touchdowns. Listen, I had the Falcons last week in my survivor pool. I, I don't even want to go oh, there. <laughs> I don't no. even want to go there. Tough. Oh, no. And the play call that they had, I think it was either third and one or fourth and one in the overtime. They have brutal. They have one yard to go, and they pitch it backwards three or four yards. Yeah. I mean, what kind of play call is that? 
It was brutal. I can't believe you're running the ball. I can't believe they, they went for it on fourth down I right know. there. Punt it. You got to punt it. Side of the field. Yeah, you got to play the field goal, but you got to play the, the field position. Right. I mean, I, I was like unbelievably oh. upset about that game. I mean, God, and, Juli- and Julio cool. Jones just, and I had said this before, <laughs> but he, the the last possession of the, the fourth quarter in, in regulation, he literally picked a ball out of like four defenders' hands. Like, how do you not go back to him in that situation? Yeah. I just, I don't get it. I just don't yeah, get I mean, it. I don't either. And and you you call, basically called him out. I love him this week against the banged up Packers secondary. So yeah. we can just get that out of the way really quick. But <laughs> <clears throat> let's continue with the quarterbacks. I got one more for you to start. Um, we're looking at Derek Carr. <clears throat> excuse me. In this matchup against the Tampa Bay Bucks, they yeah. have a bad secondary. Their numbers, though, if you look at them, little deceiving because they've gone up against doo-doo quarterbacks, and I'm talking Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, Mm. Derek Anderson filling in for uh, Cam Newton that one week in Carolina, Case Keenum, and then a combination of Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon. You know, Tampa Bay has been lucky, frankly, at the quarterbacks they're facing. Now they're going to face a stud in Derek Carr. I think he's going to exploit this matchup for all it's worth because they have a good offensive line there in front of him in Oakland, and there's a bad defensive line there for the Tampa Bay Bucks minus my man Gerard McCoy and Carr. So that equates to him having time to throw. So I like him this week. I think mm-hmm. he'll have a lot of time to throw and, and to find Amari Cooper, Crabtree, whomever, Clive Walford, right. Seth Roberts even. He seems to be stealing touchdowns there in, in uh, Oakland. So let's get to a couple sits here quick. Let's go. <clears throat> this is the guy I talked about on my show, Philip Rivers. He's got a terrible matchup against the Broncos. The defense has only allowed three passing touchdowns this entire season. In the last five games that Rivers has played against the Denver Broncos, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's never thrown more than 252 passing yards in a game. We've got Terrell Williams and Travis Benjamin. They're banged up. They're questionable for this game today. Their workload, I think, has been a lot bigger than they had anticipated, and they're throwing the ball a lot because they're down. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm saying stay away from Phillip Rivers in this matchup against the Denver Broncos today. And the other guy I've got is Alex Smith. He's going to be at Indianapolis. And typically you're thinking, man, this is a good matchup for Alex Smith against a you know not great secondary. They have uh, Vontae Davis in the secondary. He's the only you know, good quarterback that they have. And he's not even playing up to his own standards. But it just doesn't seem like Alex Smith is able to exploit an easy matchup. You know, just look back two weeks where I was really high on him. He was going against the Oakland Raiders secondary. They couldn't get out of their own way. And Casey's plan of attack is going to be on the ground in this one. We already talked to Jamal Charles is out. They want to hand the ball to their elite. Yes, I'm calling him an elite running back in Spencer Ware time and again. So that's the way they're going to attack this indie uh, defense. They're going to run the ball. And... Um, and Alex Smith is, is not really a running quarterback anymore. He really hasn't, hasn't used his legs and utilized his legs. He hasn't topped 15 yards in any game, Danielle, on the ground. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's what I got for the quarterbacks. All right, so uh, next up, running backs. We touched on it a little bit, but who do you got? Stardom, sit him, running backs. Yes, let's go to the running backs here. We've got Spencer Ware. We already talked about him a little bit <coughs> against the Colts. <clears throat> they last ranked run defense, so deplore, the deploy Spencer Ware at all costs today. If you have him, he's your number one running back, uh, and they've allowed 
the Indy defense has allowed a touchdown to opposing running backs in six out of the last seven games. So I have good confidence that Spencer Ware is going to be able to get himself in the end zone. Like I said, Kansas City really relying on that run defense. David Johnson, I love him. He's an absolute stud. He's the highest scoring running back in fantasy football. He averages 97 rushing yards, 46 receiving yards. He's a dual threat. Uh, he can the Carolina run defense. It's usually pretty good. They're they're only allowing 3.3 yards per carry, third best in the league. And in the red zone, Danielle, they're phenomenal. Uh, 1.4 yards per carry in the red zone to an opposing running back. But I just think David Johnson is way too good uh, to not play him against a, a good Carolina defense. If you have him, you're you're definitely going to start him. And then of course, you can look for him in the passing game. He could be a weapon there as well. And then you want to look towards Devontae Booker, like we talked a little bit about. No, C.J. Anderson, he's averaging 4.8 yards per carry. Him and Anderson last or two weeks ago, they averaged 5.5 yards against the San Diego. San Diego, uh, second-worst receiving yards to running backs. I think you'll have a nice dual-threat day of rushing the football and receiving the football out of the backfields. We also talked a little bit about Jaquiz Rogers. He's going to be in for Doug Martin. I love him this week. And then Melvin Gordon. And you might be, you know, be a little cautious because I think you need to, the old, you need to throw out the old adage of, hey, don't start a running back against the Denver defense. Mm-hmm. Get that out of your head. Don't think about that. The Broncos, they're on a short week this week. They are currently, Danielle, 18th against the run the last four weeks that they've played. Like I said, that short week will play into that. Right. And Melvin Gordon was a workhorse against the Gets the Broncos the last time he played them, 27 carries, 94 yards. So I think he'll get the rock, and I think that's how San Diego is going to look to exploit uh, the Denver defense today. Now, if you want to talk about a couple sits at running back, I, I would say Ryan Matthews. And actually, I sat Ryan Matthews on one of these girls' teams to play that I was talking about in the story last night. Um, uh, Michelle, she told me, you know, she had Ryan Matthews in there. She was she, she was struggling, or maybe it was Nicole. I can't remember which one it was, but. Yeah, one of them had Ryan Matthews. I sat him down. It's a bad matchup against a surprisingly good Dallas defense. Uh, they've only allowed two rushing touchdowns. So I'm sitting Ryan Matthews down and also Mark Ingram at home against the Seahawks. We talked a little bit about that. Breeze loves to air it out at home. I don't think and Mark Ingram's been a little underwhelming this year. So I think I'd stay away from Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. Okay, wide receiver? Wide receiver time. All right, let's get to the wide receivers. So... There they are. Obviously, Julio Jones, I really like him against a banged-up Green Bay secondary. Jordy Nelson, now with no Cobb. I mentioned him with Aaron Rodgers. He's been underwhelming this year, but I think this is the game he gets right against the Atlanta Falcons. I think they're going to, it's going to be a shootout. They're going to be throwing the ball all over the Georgia Dome. I like him this week. Amari Cooper, I already mentioned. Derek Carr, I'm doubling back to what I said about Carr. He's going to have time, and I think Amari Cooper, that lands that it lends to him that he's going to have a nice tasty matchup against what we've already talked about is a bad Tampa Bay defense I'm thinking 100 plus yards and a touchdown for my man Amari Cooper in this one I also like Terrell Pryor former quarterback now turned wide receiver this is all based on health Danielle if he stays healthy and he's playing I know Luke uh, Josh McCown is back in the lineup for Cleveland I think he's got a very good uh, matchup against the Jets secondary with a lot to be desired. Obviously, Revis looks slow. Mm-hmm. Buster Screen is the only guy that kind of resembles anything relevant in the secondary for the Jets. And the they rank in the top 
10. He ranks in the top 10 in passes thrown uh, of 20-plus yards. So he's uh, great at getting down the field and exploiting secondaries, and the Jets are second worst in the NFL in deep passes uh, at 20-plus yards. So you put that all in a blender, you mix it up, and it just equates for a good game for Terrell Pryor. Now, Sidhams. This is going to come as a surprise. Kelvin Benjamin, I'm going to sit him down against the Arizona D. And you may be thinking, hmm. Greg, you're a hypocrite. You have Kelvin Benjamin. You're not going to sit him. You, you know, he's a stud. You've got to play him. I'm actually sitting him in one of my leagues as well. So you can't call me a hypocrite because I'm <laughs> sitting him against a good Arizona defense. Yeah. Uh, Cam has been under a lot of pressure, and that doesn't help Kelvin Benjamin. The tough matchup, he's going up against Patrick Peterson. And Arizona has only allowed 193 yards per catch that's third best overall against posing wide receivers and only five touchdowns to wide receivers this year and i'm also sitting any san diego wide receiver we talked a little bit about that with philip rivers you know learn your lesson from earlier when we talked about rivers it doesn't add up you got the wide receivers that are banged up philip rivers doesn't play well against a great denver secondary they're going to be trying to run the football i think that's where you look to exploit that denver defense of course yeah believe it and then i was just thinking um the uh the cardinals they have the second best defense in the NFL, second best yeah. overall defense. It's yeah. going to be so tough, they, tough for the Carolina Panthers today, I think. Absolutely, and, and we've already seen Danielle that they haven't played up to expectations. I thought this was a team looking at their schedule in the beginning of the year that they were going to be able to get back and win yep. 11, 12, 13 games, and it's it's really not lending itself to that. Yeah, and what are they at? sitting at one at one and five, uh, last yeah, in the league incredible. in their league anyway. Okay. Incredible. So, and, uh, you want to go tight ends quick? Yeah, quick tight ends. What do you got? Do you got? Quick right. tight ends. Go ahead. Here we go. Quick tight ends. C.J. Fredericki. I don't know if I'm saying his name <laughs> right or wrong, but okay. he's the tight end for the Houston Texans. Okay. He's going up against the Detroit Lions. The Texans' passing offense has been bad. They've been ranked 30th in the NFL, and they're only averaging 204 yards per game. And I read something from Adam Schefter today that said that Brock Osweiler, the quarterback there for the Texans, he has lost confidence in himself. Oh, boy. But, we, we, yeah, we talked a little bit about Jack Doyle being that safety net. I think that's what C.J. does for Brock Osweiler as well. I think he's going to utilize him big time because if you want to get your confidence back, just make easy throws, yeah, and that's right. easy to dump the ball off to the tight end. Right. Uh, since week four, he's led all Houston receivers with 57 yards uh, receiving per game and two touchdowns. The Lions have allowed seven uh, touchdowns to wide receivers. I'd take a chance on him if you need somebody, and we're going to – look to also start Gary Barnett. He's starting to show a pulse finally. I know he doesn't have a touchdown, but he has more than 55 yards in five straight games. That's the second longest streak in the NFL this year. <clears throat> Josh McCown comes back. They have good chemistry. And they have a good matchup with the Jets. Top 10 most allowed fantasy points to wide tight ends in the league. So another tasty matchup for another Cleveland uh, receiver. And we're going to sit Zach Miller. Jay Cutler's coming back. He's under center. They found a good chemistry last year. But the two games that they played together this year, not much. Just a total of 50 yards for Zach Miller when Cutler's under center in those two games. The terrible matchup with the Vikings. They've been very good. They're going to get after it today after having a tough loss last week against the Eagles. Uh, they give up. Uh, they've yet to give up a touchdown to a tight end this season. So I'm saying, Zach Miller usually a start. Sit him this week if you have a better uh, opportunity. If you have somebody else on your bench or you can pick somebody up off the waiver wire, I would do so. All right, I'm, I'm just sorting through some tweets here, some Periscope mix. People, I think you did a good job because people have no questions. <laughs> oh, well, that's, all, that's, that's fine. And no questions, no complaints. I mean, it's always nice to have questions, but 
sometimes it just doesn't lend itself to it. And, you know, it is what it is. I enjoy getting on here and talking to you and talking to all the people that want to listen and watch uh, the Periscope Wise. I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on here and, and, and talk about something I really have a good, uh, a lot of passion for. Yeah, thanks. You know, my dad, uh, the first week he came on, my dad was listening. And he was like, hey, you know that guy that you had on? He was right about, I forget what it was. There were like two things. He was like, well, that, that was pretty good. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's rare in fantasy football to be right. So whenever you can, it's always nice to, to, to talk about when you get things right because you're going to get a lot more wrong than you will right in fantasy football because you just never know what's going to happen uh, week in, week out. A.J. Green just made an outstanding catch for the, uh, the Bengals. Oh, wow. boy. So, yeah, the score update is Redskins 24, Bengals 20. Oh, eight minutes hey. to go in the fourth. Hey, you know what? You know what I like about you, Greg? I like that you're very well-researched, and, and, you know, you have an opinion, but who cares if you're wrong because it's well-researched, and people can kind of say, like, oh, well, you know what? That does make sense. You just got to give a little – you got to give the people a little facts to back up your statements sometimes. Yeah. No, all the time. (laughs) Yeah, all the time. Yeah, that that usually works best. (laughs) Oh, that was just a bomb. Did he make it? A.J. Green, 39-yard pass. Penalty, defensive pass interference. All right. All right. So – yeah, so I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to do a little bit of Giants-Jets now and then a little bit of baseball, and then I'm out of here. I want to get home to watch the Jets at 1. There you go. Enjoy it, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, thanks. So this is Greg Larnard, CBS uh, Sports Fantasy Football Guru. Greg, just tell them real quick where they can find you on uh, social media. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on my show Monday through Friday, uh, the CBS Sports Radio Roundup. It's at Sports Talk CBS on Twitter. And, of course, it's RadioRoundup.com. And you can find me personally on Twitter at GLARN34, G-L-A-R-N-34. And on Facebook, just type into that little search bar right at the top. I know you all know Facebook. Just type in the word with G, and that's where I post all my videos, all my, my articles, everything. And then on, on YouTube, of course, just search Greg Larnard, G-L, or G-L, I'm thinking of Twitter, L-A-R-N-E-R-D. You just break it up, Larnerd, and it's easy. Follow me on there, subscribe, the whole thing, and uh, hopefully we can spread this fantasy football love. Yeah, sure. All right. So uh, looking forward to having you back next week, Greg. Absolutely. We've already talked about it. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. All right. You too, Daniel. See Bye. you later. It's always cool when you can have guys, uh, what's his name, New York, New York, living in crabby California, still rep the Jets. Good for you. Good for you. All right, so that was Greg Larnard from the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Stardom Sidems of the Week. Hey, take his advice. We're at the, the 11th hour here for, for the 1 o'clock games especially. So, uh, real quick, like I said, I just want to wrap this up. Well, not really, but I just want to talk Giants, Jets, a little bit of baseball, play you one more interview. Now, if you guys are watching me on Periscope, <laughs> uh, my Halloween costume here is uh, I'm wearing a Devin McCourty T-shirt. I want to be – I'm a wannabe – winning football fan. See that? He's a Patriot. Get it? I'm a Jeff fan. You get it? Ha. So let's talk about the Jets preview. Geno Smith is, um, because I have some Jets fans on here, Jets, Geno is out for the season. He's placed on the injured reserve, and and I spoke to the Jets doctor, uh, what was it? Was it yesterday? Sunday? Saturday? Saturday night? Saturday. Saturday uh, p.m. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Friday night. I talked to the Jets doctor, and uh, Geno is out for the season. He's on the injured reserve, which is, uh, you know, it could be his Jets career. That could be the end of him in green, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, and, and I just came across an article from uh, Manish, Manish Mehta, New York Daily News, about the immaturity of Geno Smith on the Jets. I mean, he uh, he missed a meeting in, in he, due to West Coast time. He said he didn't uh, get the time change. 
I believe he was sitting in a movie theater watching a movie. Uh, he sent some inappropriate pictures. He got punched in the jaw um, over a, uh, a money dispute in the locker room, as we all know. And this is just something I had gone to, and this, Manish didn't write this, but uh, you know, I went to Eric Decker's pro camp over the summer, and he had a couple guys come come out with him as well, and, and one of them being Geno Smith. The guy showed up in flip-flops. <laughs> How do you show up to a football camp, you know, working with kids and things like that, wearing flip-flops? That just kind of blew my mind a little bit. So Geno Smith, you know, see ya. See ya. So now who's going to be the number two Jets quarterback with Geno on the injured reserve? He tore his ACL. Oh, it's going to come down to Bryce Petty versus Christian Hackenberg. And uh, Todd Bowles has, is keeping everyone guessing. Uh, on Friday, his quote was, I'm not revealing that right now. Um, and this is, comes from from the Jets media uh, emails that I do get. Uh, someone asked him if he's decided on a backup quarterback internally. And he said, quote, I've decided, but I haven't talked to them yet to tell them what I've decided. So mum's the word from Todd Bowles over there in New York uh, as far as the number two quarterback. And, you know, that's important because, as you know, if you're a Jet fan, you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick likes to, you know, take the, get the extra yard. He's a gritty player. And if he gets hurt, you know, who's coming in next? We, don't, we still don't know, I don't think. I don't even think it's been announced yet. And we're 45 minutes to game time, 40 minutes to go. Um, so that's that's what I have for the Jets. Uh, Jets' keys to the game today is going to be, first of all, they're playing at 1 p.m. Uh, in, at, on CBS. They're playing in Cleveland versus the Browns, which the Browns are 0-7. Now the Jets' keys to the game, number one, I have three keys to the game. Here you go. Listen up. Number one. Uh, as Greg had would just was just come on come on here and to say uh, Darrell Revis versus uh, Terrell Pryor, uh, well, how's that going how's that going to play out this this today this game? Uh, Pryor has said, "quote You can't question Darrell Revis's talent. I've actually been waiting to play against Darrell just because he's from Pittsburgh." <laughs> End quote. So you know they're uh, uh, both from that area. I guess that's uh, just another innate uh, inborn uh, rivalry between the two of them. Uh, but Revis has been having trouble fighting Father Time, and he had said, my body's breaking down to reporters, which is quite concerning, especially since the deep ball has been an issue all season long for him. Teams are exploiting the Jets, exploiting Darrell Revis over the top, and uh, that's not a good look. So that's that's a, definitely the number one matchup to watch today. Uh, the Jets, uh, number two, the Jets are second in the league in defense against the run, which is great. Uh, considering they have uh, Richardson, um, Leonard, Wilkerson uh, all in the front the front four there. So Jets are second in the league against the run. They give up less than 75 yards a game. So the next thing to look at is, will the Browns be able to establish a run game? Because if not, that means more pressure on jo- uh, quarterback Josh McCown, who just uh, cleared uh, concussion protocol. Their backup quarterback, Cody Kessler, is still in concussion protocol. I'm sorry, Josh McCown had a shoulder, a collarbone injury. Um, and he's, he's been out five weeks. The quarterback that they have right now, Josh McCown, he's been out five weeks for a shoulder injury. And uh, that's 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 huge in, in terms of timing and everything and pass patterns and things like that. So, you know, and their backup quarterback, Cody Kessler, is out in concussion protocol. So, Again, they're like a mirror with the Jets almost, <laughs> in a way, uh, with with no safety net behind their their starting quarterback. 
So, um, you know, Jets front four, front five is is going to put some pressure on Josh McCown, and and let's see, let's see if he has, if he even has enough time to get the ball downfield to Terrell Pryor. We'll see, we'll see about that. Uh, I'm in in that sense. I'm going to go with the Jets D over Josh McCown, uh, and that's just my opinion here. Uh, we uh, spot uh, number three. Yeah, someone just said on Periscope that they won't give him a chance. I agree. They're not going to give him a chance to throw it deep for sure. Week th- uh, number three, I keep saying week three. Number three thing to look for in the Jet game is the Jets' offensive line. Okay, banged up. Nick Mangold, questionable with an ankle. He left Florham Park yesterday still wearing a boot, which doesn't look good. Brent Kowal, questionable with a neck injury. Ryan Clady, questionable with the shoulder. How well is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to be protected? Uh, I'm going to go with not well today. <laughs> uh, you know, even though the Browns, their defense is ranked 31st in the league of overall defense, I'm going to go with um, he's not going to be very well protected. And and you'll you see when when Ryan Fitzpatrick, the problem I have with him this season. I, listen, I've been a Ryan Fitzpatrick fan for uh, through and through through all of this, but uh, I'm bothered by the fact that he never seems to look off his first read. Like he locks in on a guy. And that's it. And if it doesn't happen, he, he gets all nervous and starts scrambling around. And, and that's what worries me about him. So, you know, with a, a questionable offensive line, pretty much, and we'll see uh, before the game starts who actually will be playing and will not be playing. But I can't imagine he's going to have a lot of time to throw the ball today. So that means some short passes. Expect Matt Forte to have a huge game. I'm surprised Greg didn't uh, mention him in his uh, stardom sit-ups. But Matt Forte, I think, is going to have a huge game today, both as a pass receiver and as a rusher, uh, just just because of the offensive line is not going to be uh, is not going to be where it is in, in, in giving Fitzpatrick enough time to throw the ball downfield. Um, and as we know, Eric Decker is out for the rest of the season. The Jets doctor did tell me that he will be back for next season, ready to go at the beginning of the season. Which um, you know that's I guess maybe like a little bit of a scoop there. Uh, other notable injuries for the Jets: Darren Lee, the first round draft pick out of Ohio State, is out with an ankle injury. Now, uh, bad, more bad news for the Jets' uh, secondary. Buster Screen is doubtful with a knee injury, and Mohamed Wilkerson is questionable with an ankle. So the Jets are quite, quite, quite banged up. With all that being said, though, I am, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm out of my survivor pool, but I am going with the Jets. See, you can only use the same team. You can only use the team once. You can't pick them again, so... I'm going with the Jets today uh, because I feel this is their best chance to win the rest of the way. So I, I have the Jets beating the Browns today. It's going to be quite close, uh, especially since the forecast right there. It's pouring rain in Cleveland. Expect a messy, messy game. It's 54 degrees with rain and showers. The showers should be tapering, tapering off around the second quarter-ish time. But... Man, it's good. expect a sloppy, sloppy game. A lot of fumbles, a lot of turnovers over there in Cleveland today. And that's the Jets' key to the game. Someone said they need to put Petty in to start to protect Fitzpatrick. Uh, protect Fitzpatrick, that's interesting. Um, why do you say that? I do think Bryce Petty is the answer. Um, but to protect Fitzpatrick, could you just elaborate on that a little bit over there on Periscope? Uh, while they do that, so the Giants... Uh, this is just an update on a story I brought you guys last week. The Giants do have a bye week this week, which means you know they play next week. 
uh, not this week. Uh, just an update on the story I brought you last week. The Giants have cut Josh kicker Josh Brown, and he ha- he will not appeal. Uh, part of his statement is, quote, I have taken measures to get help so that I may be the voice of change and not a statistic, end quote. Uh, he apologized to everyone, basically, except his ex-wife, which I thought was quite interesting in that whole speech. Now, the Giants are looking at uh, they're a 4-3. and three. They're tied at the bottom of the NFC East with the Redskins. So if you're a Giant fan, although you're not watching the Giants play today, if you're watching any game today, it's going to be Sunday Night Football on NBC. It's the Cowboys versus the Eagles um, because that is a, the top teams in your division, the NFC East, Cowboys-Eagles. And uh, and that's and that's the wrap on, on, on the Giants pretty much. And, and that person just said back, I, I can't read the name because it's in, in gray, it's hard to see, but he said that we should put Petty in to protect Fitzpatrick. He's our main man. Well, see, I don't know if I subscribe to that because that seems like you're, you're kind of playing scared. With no faith. So uh, that that's just my thought on that. Now, the New York Jets are taking on the Cleveland Browns at 1 p.m. on CBS. The Giants will be back next week. And just uh, some news around. We have uh, uh, Jose Fernandez. His toxicology reports came back. Jose Fernandez was the pitcher we talked about on here, the, the pitcher whose life came to 24 years old, life came to a tragic end uh, in the boat accident in Miami. Uh, it has come back that his blood alcohol content was double the legal limit, and there was a detected presence of cocaine in his system. Now, I tried finding, you know, all on on Twitter and trying to see what people were saying. My question was, does that make Jose Fernandez less of a hero now? I think it does, because the the report actually came out September thirtieth. So, you know, almost a month to the day they're releasing releasing the facts. And I think that was by design. Because if you have everybody grieving this guy and, and people, you know, D. Gordon's running around the bases crying, you know, I feel that people don't have much sympathy then for a guy that was high on cocaine and drunk twice the legal limit when he, when he was killed. So I think by design, they sort of waited for everything to desi- to uh, to die down surrounding Jose Fernandez and the, and the Marlins, and they, they chose to release it during the World Series, so it kind of gets swept under the rug. But for me, you know, they're, they're making it, we made him into a hero. He's a, he jumped into the water to save the person when coming over from Cuba. This and that. Don't get me wrong, he's a great guy. Everything I've seen, he's a great guy. But for me, you know, how... How many times has he done this in the past? Was this just the time that that it just happened? Was this his first time ever doing cocaine? It's it's very hard for me to believe that. So this guy is sort of living a double life. He got he's got a girlfriend. One of them's pregnant. Blah blah blah. So you know, everybody looks great on the surface, but when you just dig a little bit deeper, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I think for me, definitely, definitely, this toxicology report does definitely for me. Um, taint it, taint it a little bit. Now the NFL play. Next thing is the NFL Players Association expects the league to make a push for an 18 regular season games. Uh, how is that going to play out though? Because they have experienced a drop in TV ratings, and and the number one reason why they have a drop in TV ratings is because of the national anthem protests. Believe it or not, so the ratings are down. So how is that going to play out for 18 regular season games? We'll have to see. 
Uh, Kyle Schwarber, is he the hero of the World Series so far? Uh, up until uh, not including last night's game, he reached base five times within the first two World Series games after being out since April. The guy missed a whole season. And, uh, of course, Kyle Schwarber is a uh, Chicago Cub. Now, the, the Kardashian curse may find its way to Cleveland, everybody. Listen up. LeBron James is unhappy with Tristan Thompson dating Khloe Kardashian. And he told him that Khloe can't come around the Cavaliers. Thompson fought back and told him that Khloe will come to every game that she chooses to. Uh-oh. We're in for a bumpy ride in Cleveland, everybody. The Kardashian curse, the Kardashian smush is coming. Uh, and finally, in my sports minute here, uh, Michael Phelps is a married man. Kept it quiet, and they have been married for a couple months now, actually. And he said, uh, quote, why is it a secret? Uh, just because. Baby number two may be coming soon, but who knows, though? Oh, boy. So Michael Phelps is a married man. Imagine Michael Phelps with two kids married. We're getting old, everybody. We're getting old. Now, uh, let's just transition quickly to baseball. Quickly to baseball, I have uh, I, I interviewed the same day as the Lori Hernandez interview. I did talk with Jimmy Laritz, who is a former Yankee catcher. Um, you know, another uh, he's he's a good guy, but you know, has gotten into some some trouble. But this was at a Mint Pros and J. Irwin Productions event, and uh, if you go on YouTube, you can actually watch it and you can download it on SoundCloud. Coach McCartan. Now, Jimmy Laritz gives a, I think, I don't know if anybody even knows this story, and he told me after it was over that he tried to give me something people don't really know about. He tells a great story about him and Derek Jeter in the 1996 World Series uh, ticker tape parade. So, uh, listen up. This is uh, Daniel McCartan, me, with uh, Yankees catcher Jimmy Laritz. I'm Daniel McCartan here with Jim Laritz, yet again at a Mint Pros and Jay Irwin Productions event. Uh, so, what is the best part about being here at an event like this? I think the biggest thing is number one, the money that we're raising for all the charities and things like that, but also the uh, the opportunity to meet all the fans. And you know, um, all these people that have been our fans for years and, and can be a part of it. Do they ever come up with a story that you're like, oh God, I didn't remember that? A couple of them, not too many of them, because most of them are the home runs and the yeah. things like that. But you know, every now and then you'll get a guy that comes up. And a guy came up today. What was the story he told me? He was uh, on the subway to uh, that Derek Jeter and I took to the '96 parade. He got up and gave my wife the seat for her to sit down. So You and Derek Jeter yeah. took a subway to the 96 World. Well, that's a story in itself. Yeah, that's Derek's biggest fear ever. <laughs> he never took the subway. And we woke up late that morning, and we grabbed the police officer, and we said, listen, can we get an escort down to the, you know, the parade? He's like, you're not going to make it on the streets. Everybody closed everything off. He said, the only way you're going to make it is subway. And I said, okay, let's go. Now, I took the subway every day. To me, it was no big deal, but he was like, I don't know about this. I said, Derek, I'm putting my wife and my two-year-old. Yeah. It's okay. Let's go. So we all went, got on the subway, took the subway down, and yeah, one of the guys here, and he said, yeah, you know, you came on, you all were standing up, you had your son with you, I let your wife have a seat. I'm like, okay, that's Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a cool thing. story. Yeah, so. so getting to the 96, uh, you were here for the 96 reunion. Yes, I was, was in the bleachers. You were on the field. Yeah. What was that like to be that's back? That's a pretty special day. I mean, you know, we, we had not been together with more than 20, 25 guys since Joe Torrey's 10th anniversary dinner that he had. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty neat to see some of the guys that you hadn't seen in 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a great turnout, great day for, for us to be able to celebrate and be back together and, you know, enjoy it. Was it just like old times? Oh, yeah. I mean, once, once you get together like that, it's like, you know, it was like yesterday that we were all together. Yeah. Got Tim Raines and those guys just cracking the jokes and, and it, we, we had a good time. 
What did you get to speak with any of the younger players there? Did you impart any of your wisdom onto the younger players? Well, that's, that's one of the things that I wish they would do more. And we really never got a chance to see any of the current players. We did go into the locker room for a little bit, but not that too many of them came by. I mean, CC Sabathia was there and a couple other guys, but yeah. uh, we didn't really get to see. It was, it was kind of. It was actually the day of the youth movement when yeah. Oh, yeah. they both came up and they both hit the home run that day. Yeah, I was there. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. So um, you were also Andy Pettit's personal catcher. Um, how do you develop such a special connection with a pitcher like that? Yeah, well, it started the year before. You know, when Andy first got called up in 95, him and I, him and Mike Stanley went clicking. Right. And he asked Buck Schulter to have me catch him once. And for some reason, he pitched really well and I clicked. And from that, you know, that, that point on, I became his personal catcher. And, cool. you know, it was just, like, again, it was just something that we could read each other's personalities as far as, you know, completely different personalities, yeah. but somehow they meshed together. That's kind of cool. So uh, uh, midway through his career, towards the end, he had, a, he had a change from being such a fastball pitcher to more of a location guy. How did you help him along in that process? Well, yeah, by then I was gone. Yeah. You know, but, but I know that one of the things that when he, when he first came up, he didn't throw that hard. Right. So he had to learn to pitch. Then he got a little bit stronger, a little bit better, and then I think maybe what he learned in '95 and '96, he went back to and was able to be able to, you know, to, to carry that over. Now this is a current event here. The MLB plans to add, or they're thinking of adding pitchers to the home run derby. Where's your opinion? I heard, I heard that this year with Bumgarner and some of these guys. Yeah. I don't. If, if I'm an, if I'm an owner of a team or. You know, a manager of the team, I know it doesn't happen. No. I don't want, you know, we're trying to take the pitchers away from running the bases yeah. and hitting because of yeah. the injuries. There's no way that I would let, you know. Again, you see a guy like Bumgarner, you see a guy like that, you say, okay, yeah, he, he can hit home runs during the season, but home run derby, there's all types of risks that are involved in that. Of course, yeah. I, I, would, I would never let my guys do it. So uh, we talked a little bit last time about the charity. So what are you up to now? You were just talking a little bit about, you have sports marketing. Yeah, I'm with a company called Sports One Marketing with Warren Moon's company. A guy named David Meltzer. It's a sports marketing company designed with platforms to raise money for charities and foundations through different types of sponsorships. We work at a lot of stadiums. I'll be at the Barclays for about 34 events this year. Cool. Yeah, and uh, so that's one of the companies. And the other one is still out here on Long Island, Pig Tie, which is a, a first equity title company that has a philanthropic arm called Pig Tie that raises money for all charities and foundations throughout Long Island and New York. And Pig Tie does a little work here with uh, breast cancer, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's great. So I'm Danielle McCartan. This is Jimmy Laritz, and thanks for watching. Thank you. So that was myself and Jimmy Laritz, and I've been having a conversation on Periscope with somebody being a Jets fan. Are you a Yankee fan as well? Yes. Usually Mets and Jets go together, but I am the anomaly. I am a Jets-Yankee fan. Yes, of course. Now we have an update. Um, we have an update coming from the Washington Redskins game. The, the two-minute warning just ended. This is a great game. If you have do not have this on on your TV right now, the Bengals are beating the Redskins 27-24. Uh, Kirk Cousins, they're driving. The, the Redskins are driving. They could tie this game up. Uh, it's a 50-50 chance now, win percentage. Kirk Cousins passed short right to, to Crowder. No huddle. I couldn't even read that fast enough. Incomplete. Okay, so the Redskins are on the Cincinnati 22-yard line, 2nd and 10. They've had a 45-yard drive so far right now with a minute and 48 to go. I will definitely keep an eye on that for you guys if you do not have it on. And just a quick World Series roundup here. The series score is 3-1. to one. Game 5 is tonight. The Indians will win the World Series with a win tonight. Now, the Indians beat the Cubs 7-2. to two. They beat up on the Cubs last night in Chicago at Wrigley Field. Now listen, any other year, the Indians would be the favorite to win. 
not having won since 1948. But the Cubs haven't won since 1908. So they are the favorite by default. So <laughs> that's an interesting little dynamic. And now the curse of the Billy Goat, is that still alive? That We talked about that last week. That's the, the mush on the Cubs since kicking the guy, the bar owner, with his goat out in, in 1908 or 07, whenever it was. 1940, whatever it was. Now, is the curse of the Billy Goat still alive? Well, it's going to be a very uphill battle for the Chicago Cubs to win the World Series this year, being down three games to one. They need to, for the Cubs, they need to win tonight at home, and then they need to take the next two in Cleveland. That's going to be really tough. So uh, the Indians, who were the Las Vegas favorites way back, seem to be uh, Vegas. They're never wrong, it seems like. Um, and so if you want to catch it tonight, I don't know if I can stay up and watch the whole thing. That's what bothers me about this. But anyway, so the World Series is tonight. The first pitch is at A15 from Wrigley Field in Chicago. And it's on Fox. Fox Sports. Um, and so that that does it for today. That That's going to be 60-minute overtime fall episode 4 of 2016. I'm your host, Coach McCartan. It's October 30th. It's 1238. We went over a little bit, but we had some great guests on here. Tom Barton giving us an insider info from uh, Fox Sports 1340 AM in Vegas talking about the, the Raiders' move to Vegas. It, it's probably going to happen is what we concluded. Um, and I'm excited for it. I really am. Also, I had from CBS Sports, uh, Greg Larnard. We did a fantasy football roundup segment. Uh, we talked about the Halloween scary performance of the week, the stupid Falcons last week in, in overtime. I'm out of my pool. Uh, Raiders move from Oakland to Vegas. Jets keys to the game. Giants update on Josh Brown. Lori, my interview with Lori Hernandez. Uh, live look-ins to London with the Redskins and Bengals. My interview with Jim Laritz. I'm wearing my Devin McCourty t-shirt. My Halloween costume of, of a fan of a good football team, the Patriots. Ha, ha, ha. We've heard from Rich Gannon on TMZ. Uh, Brian Leonard, that was my interview. Um, and some NFL uh, from some uh, pro sports headlines around, around sports and around different teams. So uh, if I haven't captivated you by now... I'm very sorry. Um, there's not much more I can do, I don't think. Uh, just a quick update now. The Redskins have tied the game. The Redskins have tied the game at 27 with a field goal. We have 27-27 with a minute and seven seconds left to go from London. And this is a great game. Andy Dalton has 225 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Kirk Cousins... 381 yards with two touchdowns and one interception. Comparing running backs, uh, Hill for the the Bengals, 61 yards and a touchdown. Kelly for the Redskins, 55 yards and a touchdown. That's a pick em right there, both on 16 carries. A.J. Green, uh, touchdown list, but has 111 yards. Crowder for the Washington Redskins has eight receptions, 106 yards, and one touchdown. Now it's 12.40. What do we do? Do we watch the final minute and seven seconds together? Do we do, we do it? If not, i got to get home and get, get the jet game on. I think I'm going to leave you guys. I think I'm going to leave you guys to watch on your own. Uh, you guys can find my work. Uh, I'm everywhere. Periscope, which you guys are listening to now. Thank you very much for, for watching. Uh, hope I didn't break the camera. Periscope, at Coach McCartan. Twitter. Uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, YouTube, 
just going to type in YouTube.com in the search bar, Coach McCartan, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, and then iTunes official podcast. You could take this with you and listen back and everything, um, and, and you just type in Coach Space McCartan on there too. Guys, check out my, my website, ProSportsRundown.com. And uh, 43 seconds left to go. Andy Dalton's driving. I think the Bengals are going to take this game, everybody. It's still a 50-50 shot out there in London. And that's what I got for you guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, <laughs> I got a solid follower now. Hey, thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. Thanks for, for tuning in. Pretty much this guy's been watching, hanging with me pretty much the whole show. So thank you. I can't read your, your username, but send me a message. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm just wrapping it up here. 60-minute overtime, fall episode four. It's October 30th, the day before Halloween. And I'm your host, Daniel McCartan. I'll be back next week, this time, 11 a.m. on Sundays. That's my time. And uh, appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.